0: Morning, how are you all? How we go? Yeah. <laughs> Sing with me. <clears throat> I don't know how it ends. That's that's pretty that's pretty much it. Uh, that's what I got there. How are you guys this morning? The weather's been good. We've kind of got a break in the rain. Things are drying out a little bit. Farmers are getting their Crops underway, it sounds like. Um, Any of you guys putting out crops this summer so far? Yeah, no farmers in this group, it looks like. Yes, we got some crops, people planting them gardens. Yep, yep. Hey, we are in week, I'm going to say 39 because we've sort of mixed up around things. I'm going to say 39. Let's just say we're in week 39 of 52 weeks of a series we're going through called Core 52. Who thought we would ever see this day? We're not there yet, but we're getting close. It's been good talking about things that matter to God, some important key um, topics and ideas and concepts that the scriptures lay out for us that will affect not just how we think about God, but how we think about the life that God has left us here to live out to his honor and his glory. Today we're talking about a topic that is super important, and yet unfortunately, I don't think we talk about this enough in our churches. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Our key verse is from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Alan and I talked about this a little bit last week when Jesus ascended. Um, He sent his disciples to wait. And here is this command that he gives them. He says this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I grew up in a Holy Spirit church where the Spirit was was just pantomount. Paramount, that's the word I'm looking for. The sermon was led by the Spirit. The preacher would get up and say, I have prayed about it, the Holy Spirit led me to talk about this thing this morning. The songs, the song would say, I prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit led me to these particular songs, so we're going to sing the songs that the Spirit gave me. The sermon could be interrupted. By the Spirit. Someone could jump up and say, I have a word from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, that I need to say right now. Songs could be interrupted by the Spirit or prolonged indefinitely because the Spirit said, Keep singing, keep singing, keep singing. And it sounds very spiritual. And I'm telling you, there were moments where it felt so strong. The Spirit was so evident in those in those moments. But there were also moments, and those of you who grew up in that culture, where perhaps it felt a little chaotic, and maybe even a little confusing, and as a young kid, maybe even a little scary. Anyone besides me identify with growing up in that? Yes, at the back. The Holy Spirit that was something that could come on you at any moment, uh, and without warning, and make you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. And so while I was told that the Holy Spirit was of God and was God, at the same time I'm thinking, well, if the Holy Spirit stays over on that side of the church, it'll be just fine with me. (laughs) Even today when I hear someone say, I just felt led by the Spirit, I get a check and I push back, pull back a little bit and go, now what exactly do you mean by that? Maybe you ask the same thing. What does it mean to be led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit? So today we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, and unpack the promises that we have that God gave us, that he would dwell within us and empower us. To do what he calls us to do. To everyone who has been born again, the promise is that we are born again by the Spirit. And we have God's Spirit within us. So, today, we're going to ask and we're going to hopefully answer the question, what does that mean and and what does it look like? So, let's pray and I'm going to have you turn your Bibles to uh, the book of Acts and we will start there and work our way through some other scriptures and hopefully learn more about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Father, this morning, our desire is to be a Holy Spirit church. We want your spirit to be the paramount aspect of what we do and how we do it and why we do it. We want to be led by you. We want our messages to be, to be inspired by you. We want our songs and our worship to be, to be, um, to be filled with you. We want our interactions in the hallway and, and, and the, the ways our children are taught and led. We want the Holy Spirit to be, to be evident in all of that. We want people to encounter you when they come here. So, God, this morning we open our hearts to you to learn from your word. We pray that, that we would have minds and hearts and ears to hear and understand. And then hands and feet... <laughs> To be obedient to where you lead us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is not some new concept. The Holy Spirit, in fact, has been has been evident from the very beginning of the story that God is telling in His Word. In fact, if you look in Genesis chapter 1, in the very second verse, we see that the Holy Spirit is there, hovering over the waters, hovering over sort of this, this, this. The word is often used, chaos, but it's, it's really just a formlessness, something that has not fully been formed yet, and the Holy Spirit is there, even hovering above that. As we go through the Old Testament, we'll see time and time again that, that the prophets and leaders of God's people are, are filled with God's Spirit, are empowered by God's Spirit, that speak and act according to God's Spirit to God's people. In fact, I was reading this past week. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he encounters Daniel, and Daniel stands before him and, and speaks into King Nebuchadnezzar's life. King Nebuchadnezzar recognizes in Daniel God's spirit. He says, he didn't even have the words to really frame what he's experiencing in Daniel's life. He says, the spirit of the gods is in this man. And he's he's almost right. The spirit of God was in Daniel, working in Daniel and through Daniel to impact the court and the culture and the kingdom of King Nebuchadnezzar. And just as the Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep at creation, we see in the ministry of Jesus, when he begins his ministry there in the waters of the Jordan, the Holy Spirit descends and hovers over Jesus and God speaks says, this is my son in whom I am very well pleased. And then after the resurrection... And the ascension, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait because the Holy Spirit will come and empower you to fulfill the mission that I have you. In fact, the whole book of Acts, if you study the book of Acts, you will see time and time and time again how the Holy Spirit is is in every story that is told there. Every encounter. It talks about the Holy Spirit leading, the Holy Spirit empowering, the Holy Spirit speaking. In fact, so many times that sometimes people call it the Acts of Acts. Of the Holy Spirit when they're referring to that book so last week we talked about this Alan and I were sitting here and we talked about how the disciples stood there witnessing the ascension of Jesus and they're looking up into the sky and the two witnesses around them say why do you stand here looking in the sky go do what Jesus tells him to do go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit in fact Jesus is saying that don't attempt anything until you receive the power that comes from me to do it. And the context is this. Passover has happened. Jews from all over the known world have come to Jerusalem to, to celebrate their deliverance of from captivity in Egypt. And they're there for these feasts and these celebrations. And what happens after that, uh, there's a time period and then there's another feast. It's called the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost is really very similar to what our Thanksgiving Day would be. So families stay around. They stay in town. There's this long period where they wait until the Feast of Pentecost and then, then they celebrate that feast. And after that, they'll probably go home to their very the various places they live around the world. But in the meantime, there's this season between Passover and Pentecost, where there's just a lot of chaos and energy and activity. There's this international crowd. There's this buzz all over Jerusalem. And the disciples, in the middle of all this, are gathering daily, I believe, in this upper room to wait in expectancy for what God has promised will happen. And so, what happens? Well, we read in Acts chapter 2. And if you've got your Bibles, you can open there. If not, we've got the The scripture up on the screen. In Acts chapter 2, it begins this way. When the day of Pentecost came, that feast, when that feast day came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, in the church that I grew up in, the focus of this story was the tongues. That was the point of sharing the story of this day of Pentecost. They received this gift of the Holy Spirit, and it was represented by their ability to speak in these different languages. New languages, and depending upon your tribe, those languages meant different things to you. But I want to focus instead of the tongues, of the languages, I want to focus instead on the fire. Can you picture that moment? Can you picture looking around this room right now and imagining flames of fire over everyone's head? Like water, fire shows up a lot in the story that God telling of his interactions with this world. Maybe you think about Moses. Many of us know the story of Moses? And before Moses began his ministry, he had this encounter with God out in the desert on a mountain, and there was a burning bush that never burned up. It was never consumed. So we have this, 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 this flaming bush, and Moses encounters God there. God speaks to him from that fire. Think about this, when the Israelites are, are leaving their slavery in Egypt and heading to the promised land, God does something very interesting. He reminds them every day and night of his presence with them. In the daytime, his presence was signified by this cloud that would, that would go with them and lead them through the desert. And at night, when they would settle and select where they were going to camp for the evening and put up the tabernacle, this worship, giant worship center tent. They would put that up, and that's where they would worship the Lord at. What would happen is this pillar of cloud would become a pillar of fire, and the pillar of fire would rest right over this tabernacle, this tent, right there in the middle of the desert. Do you have an image of this right now? Can you picture that? Remember that image. In the Old Testament, we have uh, Zechariah who's given this vision of the city of God, Jerusalem. And it's restored and renewed after being um, just dis- destroyed by the, the Babylonians. Zechariah gets this vision of, of Jerusalem rebuilt and renewed and restored. And, but instead of walls protecting Jerusalem, God says, I myself will be a wall around Jerusalem. And he describes it as a wall of fire. Man, a burning bush, a pillar of fire over the tabernacle, a wall of fire around Jerusalem. Maybe you grew up talking about the book of Revelation. and In Revelation, you, you know that the day of the Lord will be accompanied by fire. Fire represents in the scripture God's presence, his power, his protection, and this purifying agency. And so if we can go back to that upper room in Jerusalem and we see the tongues of fire resting on all of the people gathered in that room, it represents the same thing. It represents the purifying presence and power and protection being and resting in and on them. So it's no longer a single pillar of fire over a tabernacle in the desert. It's individual pillars of fire over us. We are now the habitation of the Lord. I love that. Let's keep reading in, chat in verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. We talked about that. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They said this, aren't these just simple Galileans? These guys are from Bedford. What do they know about the Parthian language or the Mede language or the language of the Elamites or the language that those from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia speak? What do those guys know about the languages of Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia? What do they know about Egypt, Libya, Rome, Crete, Arabia? Have they studied? Have they traveled there? Do they know these languages? Because what we're hearing are those languages declaring the wonders of God in ways that we all understand. They must be drunk. Someone said that. I don't know who. But immediately people are like, Are you an idiot? When people are drunk, they don't become bilingual, they become profane. Or idiots, but they don't become bilingual. No. (laughs) They said, what does this mean? Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And Peter says, here's what this means. It means that God is doing what he prophesied he would do way back in in, in uh, in Joel, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, and even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Ah, that's an amazing prophecy from Joel. See, no longer is the spirit reserved for a few special people Or a few special places. Now the spirit of God is poured out on all people. Men, women, sons, and daughters. That's a lot of people. And a lot of different categories of people. And as if to understate that or overstate that or underline that, Peter says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We Are that everyone? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says this. In him too, you, after hearing the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. In our salvation, we are entrusted to God and filled with God by his Spirit. I love that. That means wherever we go, God goes with us by the Holy Spirit. Wherever we go... God goes with us. Say it again. Wherever we go, God goes with us. But you know what it also means? (laughs) And this struck me this week in a new way. It also means that wherever God intends to be, he will lead us there. Not only is he with us, but he says, listen, you are with me now. You go where I go. Wherever God intends to work, his intention now, with us, being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, his intention is that we be there too. That's astounding. The Holy Spirit works around us and in us and through us. This is a truth of the scripture that you can state with assurance when people ask, how does the Holy Spirit work? Well, he works around us, he works in us, and he works through us. And just like that fire signified the presence of God there to Moses on the mountain, the Holy Spirit in us recognizes that the Holy Spirit in us is, is that picture of God's continual presence in our lives. And not just in our lives. But all around us. The Holy Spirit is always at work around us. The Holy Spirit is in the work influencing and representing and intervening in world situations. The picture, the Hebrew word for this is ra, ra And, it, and it, it signifies this energy and this wind, this breath of God. Maybe you, maybe you think about Adam formed by God there in in Eden, and God breathes his spirit into Adam, and he comes alive. It's the active presence of God bringing things to life, order, and beauty. That's God's spirit. Breath and air sustain life. God's spirit sustains life as well. And so what does that mean? This is the question we asked earlier. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that because God is always at work around us, it means that wherever I am, I can look around and see God at work. I'm, I'm picturing the farmer's market on a Saturday morning. I go down there and sit and talk to people who want to talk. But, but the Holy Spirit is not just at work at my little table and chair. The Holy Spirit is at work all up and down that row. God is always at work around us. And if we have eyes to see it and ears to hear it and a willingness to engage and be obedient, we can experience God's Holy Spirit all the time. It also means that because God is always at work and the Holy Spirit is always work at work, I can rest in the confidence that comes from knowing that God is doing something that I may not know about. There's this truth that we read of in the scriptures where, where God makes it clear that he is the one that raises leaders and brings leaders down. He is the one that establishes thrones and destroys thrones. He is the one that builds nations up, and he is the one that takes nations away. And, and, and in that large, large context, if we can recognize that God does this, then in my own life, I can trust God is doing things as well. God is working in my life. And when we have circumstances where we're just scratching our heads, and I talked to someone just yesterday, what is God doing? We may not know. We may not know. But we can rest in the confidence that God is at work around us. The Holy Spirit is always working around us. I love this. He's doing it for his ultimate goal. What is his ultimate goal? Habakkuk 2.14 says this. The earth will be filled With the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Say that with me. It's one of my favorite passages. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, God is always at work. God's Holy Spirit is always at work. And he uses you and I in partnership with his mission. That the glory of the Lord would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that means always. That doesn't mean periodically. That doesn't mean that God drops in like I would do to the farmer's market to see what's going on. No, God is always at work. God doesn't drop into your life periodically to check on you and say, hey, just checking in. How are you doing on this stuff? You go, I don't know. I don't know. He goes, listen. God is always with you. God is always at work in your life. There's never a moment that God says, oh, oh, sorry, I missed that. No, no, no. God is always at work. So what that looks like for us is that we, we pray for eyes to be open to see God at work, to see the wonderful things he is doing all around us, and to give us a willing heart to join him where he's at work. We talk about fire being a purifying and protecting agent. They're the walls of Jerusalem that God is going to be himself. The Holy Spirit, um, what that looks like for us is the Holy Spirit is in us. He's working in us. In, in the first sense, he is the seal of our salvation. John 14, 16, and 17 says this, I will ask the Father, Jesus is saying this, I will ask the Father to send you another defender. The word there, defender, means an advocate, or the, the Greek word is paraclete. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The Spirit of truth, who will be with you always, and those who are of the world cannot receive it, because they don't see it or know it, but you know him. You know the Spirit. How do you know the Spirit? For he will remain with you and will be in you, and ultimately, you know the Spirit because he looks like Jesus. Jesus talking to his disciples says, you'll know the Spirit because he looks like me. And you've walked with me, so you will, recognize, you will recognize the Holy Spirit because he looks like me. Now, the world doesn't understand it, but those who are in Christ can recognize the Spirit when they see it because they recognize Jesus in his work. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says, God, our Savior, showed his goodness and love for mankind. And without us having done anything good... By sheer mercy, he saved us by washing and regenerating us. And what is this? He gives us new life, just like he gave Adam, new life by the Holy Spirit. And what does that new life look like? Well, here's what it looks like, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. What the Spirit produces is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, faithfulness, humility And self control. You see, what the Spirit replicates in us is what originated in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is replicating Jesus in us. And now, instead of being scary or a little bit unnerving, (laughs) the Holy Spirit looks like things that we go, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to come over here into my side of the church. I want love. I want joy. I want peace. I want all the things that God has for me. It's not scary. Oh, my word, that's exactly what I'm craving and desire. You see, when when we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, our lives begin to look like Jesus. We can hear like Jesus heard. We can understand God like Jesus understands God. We open his word and, and the spirit enlightens us and instructs us. And that's just, that's just in us. But, but think about how we interact with the world around us. It enables us to love for others. Even, even our enemies, whoever those enemies might be, even those people in opposition to us, we can love them with empathy and compassion And a desire to share this life that we have found in Jesus, we have now the desire to share that with them. Difficult people, difficult circumstances, it doesn't matter. When the Holy Spirit lives in us, here's what it looks like. It looks like that we care about others even if they don't care about us. That's a big deal. The Holy Spirit works around us then, all around us, all the time, and he's working in us. He's reminding us who we belong to and who we're supposed to look like. And then the scripture says that he empowers us. He works through us. Jesus promised the disciples that they would receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes. And then in Galatians, we see a picture of what this power looks like, the love, joy, peace. And that power then flows through us. Just as the chrach the of God The sort of energizing and life-bringing spirit of God brings life and light into the world around us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the same, to bring light and life wherever there's chaos. We talk about these three areas of chaos in our community, sort of a spiritual chaos, an emotional chaos, and some physical chaos. And God says, this is where I want you to be present. I've put my spirit in you so that I can go to those places and be there in those situations remember he works in the world through us so wherever we go god goes with us but remember that wherever god desires to go he sends us wherever god intends to work we are his instruments so our focus as a church is to give ourselves to the work of the holy spirit I want to be, be a Holy Spirit church, don't you? So what this looks like in our community is the way we address and speak into and walk into um, a couple of at-risk communities. And I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, but today I want to talk about it again, briefly. There are three at-risk communities that we've identified as areas of targeted focus and those three areas are this, the spiritually at risk, the emotionally at risk, and the physically at risk. And we're learning and talking about how to define those at-risk groups. But in each one of them, we are praying that God would instruct us and empower us to take Jesus into each of those situations, those at-risk populations, just like that that pillar of fire that settled over the tabernacle, we we carry the presence of God wherever we go. We have, whether we see it or not, a pillar of fire over our heads whenever we walk out these doors. Now, I talked about this idea of the paraclete. The Greek word for uh, helper is paraclete helper, we all want to be helpers, don't we? We appreciate helpers in our lives. The scripture says that if we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, the helper, then he will make us helpers as well. First Corinthians twelve seven, Paul gives sort of a picture of what this sort of looks like. Here's how he described it. He says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. But notice this, it's the one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, at 55 years of age, I'm discovering something about this passage. I'm learning what I think is a very important lesson, I try to share this with people when we talk about spiritual gifts. When it comes to spiritual gifts, it is really not that important which gift you have. What is important is the gift that someone else needs. You see the distinction there? It doesn't matter really what gift you have because your gift is not For your edification, the scripture says. What matters is what gift someone else needs. These gifts are given so that what? We can help each other. So it's important for us to know what spiritual gift God has given to us. Because it will perhaps make us more confident. Hopefully, prayerfully make us more confident to use that gift to help others with. But ultimately, it's perhaps even more important that we simply say, Lord, I'm available to be used in whatever capacity you want to use me. You're going to put me in front of people who need help, and I open myself up to you to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me to help someone else. If someone is sick, what do we do? Do we call and wait for someone who has the gift of healing? No. We pray for the person who is sick. We say, let's pray. Let's pray for you. And the gift of healing is not in my hands. The gift of healing is something God does for someone who needs healing. They receive the gift of healing. I did this once. I pray for people all the time. But there was one moment I remember years ago. We were standing outside the church auditorium doors and someone said, I have just had an excruciating headache for four days. Horrible headache. And honestly, I can tell you that without thinking too much about it, I just laid my hands on their head and said, Lord, give them relief. And I took my hand down, and they said, my headache's gone. I, wow. That was incredible. To be used by God that way? Now... <laughs> do I have the gift of healing? I did in that moment, didn't I? But if you bring your crippled and your lame and I pray for them, God may choose to heal them and he may not because that gift does not reside in me. It works through me when I say, God, help me to be available to help when there's a need that I can see. This week I got a chance to use some discernment. I had a conversation with a friend on the phone and, and I got a chance to listen as he was talking and just pray, God, you know, show me what's really going on in his life. And then and then as I prayed that, God gave me some words to encourage him with where he is in his life. I got to pray for someone who was in a scary and stressful situation. And God answered that prayer as well. And so do I have the gift of wisdom and discernment and, and prophecy? No, I don't think so. But God used me to give that gift to those who needed it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand that? God, by his spirit, can use us in amazing ways. Because he is always at work around us, he can bring us into places and situations where he says, I need you to be me there because he's working in me, I know that the Holy Spirit is always resident there. He's at work in me too, but, but, but he, can, he can multitask. He can be working on me and then working through me as well. Ultimately, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, not so that we can brag about how much we have the Holy Spirit, but so that we can build up the church. It's about the church. In verse 27, it says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And God gives us these gifts so that we can be fully functioning members of his body. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, You should earnestly desire what gift? The most helpful gift. (laughs) The most helpful gift. It says in verse uh, 7, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. What's he doing with these spiritual gifts? Well, he's creating his body, a fully functioning body in which he can be glorified in this world and in this community. So what do I do to know and recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? So first of all, be open. This week I've been thinking about this message, so I think I've been more open to how God has been um, giving me opportunities to experience his Holy Spirit presence in my life in ways that maybe some weeks I don't. Because I've been more aware of the Holy Spirit, there's been a couple of instances where I felt a strong prompting by the Holy Spirit. I'll give you the first example that was a successful experience. This morning, I was running late, normally try to get here about 7 o'clock or a little earlier, ideally, but for some reason, the day was just going slow, and I usually take the dog out for a little walk around downtown, and you know what he does on all the pots and trees and shrubs, so it takes a while for him to get all his job stuff done, and I looked over at the statue across the street, you know which one I'm talking about, Every Thursday, we have a few of us who meet down there around that statue and pray. And a year ago, we were praying, and, and one of our guys said, man, this is so encouraging. I wonder if there are any other groups that pray down here. Are there any other prayer groups in the community? And so we took it to our pastoral, uh, the ministerial association, and asked, are there any other prayer No, no one really knew of anything like that. So, this morning I'm walking the dog, and again, I'm, in half, I'm a half hour late off my normal schedule, and I look over and I see this little cluster of people walking over to the flag. I'm like, what? What are they doing? I think they're praying. I'm thinking, I'm late. I gotta get to church. I'm late. I gotta get to the church. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, you know what? No, you don't have to be at church at 7 o'clock or at 7 30 or at 8. The service starts at 9 30. If you're there by 930, it's going to be all right. And So I wander over there, and there's this group of about 10 people gathered around the prayer circle, and they're praying, and I'm walking up, and one of them looks over and sees me, and they make a place for me in the circle. And So I'm praying there, and as I'm praying, we're just listening to these little kids pray and some adults pray, and, and I, and I pray, pray for them and thank God for the Holy Spirit kind of delaying my departure this morning so I could be part of that, and then it was good. And I talk to them, who are you guys? Is there church? No, we're just random people that gather at 7.30 on Sunday morning to pray around the flag. And then we walk seven times around the courthouse. I go, okay, well, I'm out on that because i got to get to church. But uh, I said, listen, is anyone invited? Yes, of course. So I'm telling you guys, at 7.30 on Sunday morning, there's a group of random Christians who gather around the flag. And it's not a crazy weird thing. They just gather and pray and walk. So if you're wanting a little exercise and a Sunday morning prayer time, 7.30 down on the, on the courthouse square. But I'm driving away going, wait, we prayed about this a year ago in our circle, that there would be other groups that would gather. So I said, how long have you guys been doing this? And he said, about a year. I go, God answered our prayer a year ago, I didn't realize it until this morning, how God had answered that prayer to build more prayer groups in our community. Be obedient. So be open. Just be receptive. Ask the Lord. Lord, I want to be more aware of how you're working around me. And then be obedient. Yesterday, we were praying at the end of our little leadership retreat, and the Holy Spirit impressed on me something. I believe it was the Holy Spirit said, you need to do this. I'm like, I'm no, I'm not doing that. Oh, it's like, no, you, Tim, this is really, this is, this is something right here you need to do. Go, oh, God, this is a bad time. People are praying. I'm not going to interrupt the praying time for this. And th- as I hear myself talking right now, I go, how stupid that I would interrupt <laughs> God when God says, I need you to interrupt me right now and do this. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And that's, I, I thought about that all week long. So, it can be scary to be obedient to God's spirit. Just know that. And it's all right if you're scared. We all are scared. So, God told me to get people to come and gather around Roger Gales to pray for him. Roger has had some back issues. He is in a lot of pain. They get him shots after shots after shots, and nothing really seems to work. I said, God, I want to help Roger. And he goes, well, have everyone stand up and lay hands and pray for him. I said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. that. Is that you? Is that really you? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. So, um, Roger, come on up here. So we're going to do something. I'm going to invite you guys to do it with me. I don't know how the rest of the service is going to go. But I know this, that Roger needs prayer. And I believe God can heal Roger. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you're so led, to come up here and join me at the front. And we're going to pray and lay hands on Roger. We're going to pray for God to heal. The last time we did this, I want to just remind you. The last time we did this was after service. And one of the young couples in our church had just realized that, that they had lost... The baby that they were carrying. And it was a devastating time for them. And they'd finally got up the nerve to share that with the congregation. And one of our one of our members, Ella Hendricks, said, You know what? I'm just- we need to pray for them. And so we gathered at the back of the service and got Andy and Kelsey fish together, and we prayed for them. And here's what happened: God heard our prayer, God answered that prayer, and they got pregnant with twins. So I don't think Roger needs twins in his life, but he does need a healing for his back. And so Roger, come up here, and I'm going to invite anyone or, and everyone who wants to come up here and lay hands on Roger. We're going to do this. So you can pray however you want to pray, in whatever manner of prayer that that uh, that you feel led to pray. You can be silent, you can pray out loud. But Jesus, right now, we lift up our brother to you, who is in a lot of pain. He's been in pain for a long, long time. God, we do not presume to know how you heal, or why you heal. Our prayer is that you would receive glory from Roger's life. And we want you to receive glory on his behalf through a healing. So Jesus, we pray in your name and we believe according to your will that you would heal our brother.
1: That Roger may once again celebrate and enjoy the day.
0: There are other needs in our body. And so right now, Jesus, I lift up those to you. People who are suffering with cancer and um, with scary stuff, mysterious stuff that no one really has an answer to right now. Jesus, we pray that we would be able to be ministers of grace and goodness and to allow your spirit to flow through us into the lives of these people. God, we we trust you with our lives and we trust you with the lives of the people that we love and care about. We pray for healing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're not done with church yet, so (laughs) so have a seat. But this is what it looks like to be open and to be obedient and to be ready To use you when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be used. And to be confident. Because it can be scary to say, okay, I know we're all having a great time right now, but can we just stop and do this thing? And I really thank you guys for doing that. We're going to share in the time of communion. And in this time of communion... Can you join with me in praying that we would be a Holy Spirit church? And that means that each of us become Holy Spirit people. (laughs) That we recognize and listen and follow through on what God tells us to do when he tells us to do it. Because I want to live that way. I don't want to wait 24 hours to pray for Roger. I want to do it in the moment God says to do it. Jesus, this morning as we take the bread and the cup, I am so thankful that you were obedient. You spoke what God's Spirit told you to speak. You did what God's Spirit told you to do. You were obedient even unto death because of your obedience to God. Jesus, that's who we want to be as a church. There are people who are broken and are living chaotic lives in this room and outside these doors. By your spirit, you have empowered us to speak your truth into their lives. So as we take the bread and we take the cup this morning, may this be a, a commitment meal that we renew again our our baptismal commitment to follow you into the unnerving places, into the scary places, but in places where we get to share love and joy and peace, healing and hope. I pray this in Jesus' name.